Get Ready to Rock Radio. I'm saying hello here at Get Ready to Rock to uh, somebody whose music we've admired for many years now, and that's Rob Reed, best known for his work with the band Magenta. Hello, Rob. Hi there. Nice to talk to you. And we're talking ahead of the inaugural Celebrate Prague event taking place the 7th, 8th of July in uh, the Hippodrome, which is Kingston-upon-Thames, and it's a rare appearance for Magenta, so you must be looking forward to that now, uh, Rob. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it's going to be a, uh, a great weekend. I think it's a stellar lineup. It's the, it's the sort of cream of the current uh, prog rock uh, circuit, really, and um, so we're in good company. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we don't do that many many shows, really, as Magenta, so uh, it's, al- it's always good to get out and, uh, and play. Do you find it all comes together fairly easily for your live appearances? Because you, you are right, you, you, that, that was a question I was going to ask you, actually. You, you make um, very rare and uh, much appreciated appearances, but does that mean then that you have to really work hard before each event? Uh, I wish we did, and I wish we worked a little harder, but uh, we're, we're a band of uh, very few rehearsals, really. But, um, but no... Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. But you know, there's not that many places to play. To be honest, that, that's that's part of the uh, the problem uh, these days, really, with with prog rock. You know, um, there's a loyal following, but there's it's not, you know, it's, it's not mainstream by a long way, really. Even though it, it seems to be gathering a bit of pace of late, but um, but there are only sort of so many places to play. I think, and you've got to be careful. You don't you know overplay places and things. But uh, and then say so it's, it's finding the time with everyone's busy schedules to get the band together really and uh, so you know, we've undergone a, a lot of sort of um, personnel changes over the years and, uh, and sometimes that can knock it a little bit because you've got to go back and rehearse with new players and things but we seem to be with a steady lineup now I think it's uh, the best lineup we've had really so yeah we're looking forward to playing and showcasing you know the new lineup Excellent. Now, um, you've been building a steady following over the years with Magenta, and you've gathered great respect amongst prog rock fans. And uh, you can also hear the influences now on other more recent bands, really, i.e. in the last um, five or six years, as opposed to, you know, the last ten or eleven. I I might mention, for instance, um, Panic Room obviously springs to mind, but there's also Connecticut, The Reasoning. You, you've almost sort of touched on the um, almost the part of the answer to the question. I mean, why, why do you think the band has remained quite precious to your fans over the years, but you haven't achieved that wider recognition? Oh, it's, it's, it's such a tricky one. And um, when we sort of started out, you know, I think one of the one of the things that set us apart was the fact we had a female singer. And you know, going back to sort of ten, eleven years when we started, uh, there were very, very few prog rock bands, especially with female singers. So we sort of stood out then. And um, another strength, I would say, of the band is that uh, I sort of I come back. I come from a sort of real songwriting point of view and um, a pop background as well. So there was the band was always heavy, uh, heavily on the sort of songwriting and the hooks and things. So I think and I'm a real sort of um, obsessed with uh, getting, you know, a good vocalist, I think, as well. And especially in prog, I think you find that uh, the vocalist is almost like an afterthought, really, in prog, where, you know, a lot of people concentrate on the sort of whittle and the technical side and how loud and how fast the guitars and keyboards and drums and how tricky the time signatures are. For me, it's, it's always about 
the song and the, the singer being a good singer. And I think that's the strength in Magenta. And I think that what sort of uh, made us stand out a little bit, you know, and people really bought into that. And I must say, and of late, there seems to be a deluge of bands with female singers. <laughs> it's quite it's quite weird now, really, but uh, it seems to be the sort of vogue thing, really. But, um, but uh, yeah, and, and as far as, you know, um, getting get to a wider audience, I think, as I said, the, the prog thing, uh, prog rock thing, is such a typical thing to uh, to cross over into the mainstream. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of people look at bands like Porcupine Tree and Dream Theater and think, oh, you know, if we sort of change our sound into that kind of whatever, we'll achieve that sort of level of success and people sort of end up chasing their tails and changing what they do, adding, adding you know, a bit of heavier guitars and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we've sort of tried it in the past, but we all come back to our prog roots, really. And, you know, I make the music I enjoy, and if people buy it and like it, great. If they don't, <laughs> tough, really. So, um, you know, I'm happy with the way it's going, and, you know, and it's, it is still growing, and we're always finding people. You know, the, the problem is getting people to actually know the band around. The amount of times we turn up at places and play to new audiences, like these festivals, and, we, and people say, oh, we didn't even know Magenta existed, you know. <laughs> and then they go back and buy the whole the back catalogue, and they're ardent fans, so it's... You know, that's another you know, another reason why these festivals where you're playing to new audiences are great for us. I mean, I think what you're saying, Rob, is you've really remained in all this time that you've been working as Magenta, you've remained truthful to your original ideals, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. 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 I mean, is is pigeonholing a problem for the band, really? Because you've been long... I was thinking about this, actually, before the interview. You've been long classed in the, the prog rock bracket but a lot of your material is actually quite accessible and commercial oh, it's yeah and uh, if people want to steer towards a particular album the the singles compilation is evidence of that pigeonhole holing isn't always helpful is it well I think it's, it's, it's really weird I think it's you are where you are and, and the music are, you know across the sort of five albums we've made now they're each completely different really to be honest you know and the, but they are like basically pop songs dressed up as prog, really. Do you mean with, with the bits which I really like from the influences of Genesis and Yes, that's what I'll bring in. And, but, you know, a 20-minute song for us is like five songs sewn together, basically, five pop songs sewn together with all the thrills for around it, really. And <laughs> that's, the, that's the way I look at it. And uh, it's, it's no different to writing. But as I said, it all goes back to the melodies and stuff. And I think, you know, that's what people, I think, by... You know, even if it's subconsciously, that's what people are getting into. Is to, if you haven't got a good song, you know, bands like Genesis, Genesis and Yes, it was always the songs, really. You know, they had great songs. They, if you listen to sort of Genesis, there's, there's little little bits of whittle, but not much, really. There's some great songs. There was always the Mellies and Pink Floyd, the sort of real stellar prog bands that we sort of class as prog, were great songwriters. And I think a lot of bands these days forget about that and uh, are too interested on the whittle and the intricacies and forgetting about, you know, you've got to be able to play these songs at the piano, really. Get ready to rock radio, music you want to hear. Now, we've talked a little bit about the um, the festival and live appearances. You don't do that many, Rob. Um, is that a conscious decision or really, it's as you said earlier, the, a lack of the right opportunity? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it is just tough trying to find... Uh, You've got to balance it. Cause, you know, you, I could, we could go out and play a massive tour and go and do loads of gigs, but you know, 
if you spread it too thin, you might, end, you know, you're not, not going to get the audiences to, to fill the places, really, you know, that this is the thing, and, and you've got to look at the cost and stuff, you know, and it, it does cost to do these shows and to get everyone there and all this kind of stuff, and and uh, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to do, to be in a pop band and, and uh, for that to be your living, really, and again, you know, I'm the only one in the band that does music full-time for a living, and I think there's very few prog bands where members can uh, just do the band full-time. Full They've all got day jobs and stuff, so, you know, if, if people are working, you, got, you, you can't just go out and you've got to be careful when you, if you go abroad and stuff. If people are working, you know, Monday to Friday, then you can't go on a Friday. And it's, it's all these little things which sort of take the glamour off the bands, you know, you, you think of these bands, but but 95% of the bands, prog bands these days, all are all under the same constraints, really. You know, uh, unless you've got a rich benefactor, you know, you, you've got to earn a living and try and balance that and find the time to do, make the albums and go and do the shows, really. But uh, when we do do play, that we're all sort of fired up and we put on a great show then, you know, and going back 10 years, it was like the bulk of the prog bands were all like shoegazers, all looking at their shoes, doing these 20-minute guitar solos and things, where, because the members of Magenta, again, I'm the only one that comes from a prog background, like Tina, the singer, comes from a punk background and didn't know prog at all. And, you know, and so she comes into it uh, sort of with this sort of view of when you perform, you, you do perform, you just don't look at your feet and you listen to the music. She jumps around, sings and sells, and the whole band give a performance. So that, again, was something different to the sort of normal view of, like, five people sitting on chairs and into the music or whatever. We actually performed the show, so, you know... That, that worked for us. Well, we should say to uh, listeners that uh, they should savour these rare appearances of the band. Um, you've always been your own masters, going back to another theme um, we, we've talked about, and um, I noticed that with your recent release, so the current album as we speak, Rob, uh, Chameleon, you offered bonus material for fans. Is that still continuing through the um, Chameleon membership? Yeah, it is. You know, that was something... Because you're sort of on, on a constant battle of uh, between sort of the download sort of scandal where you're being done over by the free people ripping your album, selling for you know for whatever, and then you're up against uh, the sort of uh, streaming of music as well with Spotify and things, which you're giving away music and all this kind of stuff. Um, you've got to find a way of attracting people and give them extra value and things really and the sort of chameleon project which we run alongside the release of the album was something that I sort of I, I sort of discussed I mean, I, it was actually an idea that Jem from Frost meaning we were sort of discussing this how to sort of try a new sort of model of releasing an album of um, releasing a track a month for like four or five months uh, prior to the album to give people a, a chance to hear the album grow give the tracks a lot more listening time as opposed to like 12 tracks arriving on your desk in one go uh, and say what we did with this you, you could join this sort of like a like almost a fan sort of site where you given a, a password or whatever and you could log in and then we would release instrumental versions demo mixes we actually released the multi-track so people could remix the tracks and we had videos making off so people were uh, alongside us on the last sort of six months of the album 
a lot of people bought into it. It's, it's still available now, but we'll, we'll be closing it down now because onto the next album, really. But it was it was very successful, and people enjoyed that sort of being part of it. And and it's again, it was one something that stood out from the crowd, and you know, got, got people talking. This is radio for the internet age. Get ready to rock radio. Now tell us, Rob, a little bit more about Magenta in the early days. I think um, you mentioned the band. Uh, Tripper was the band that you had with uh, vocalist Christina Booth. And of course, um, your association with prog rock in general goes back to the band Cyan, I think, in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. So um, was Tripper really the catalyst for Magenta? It was, but in a, in a weird way, because... Um you know, as I said, I was in. I did like three albums with Cyan back in the eighties and nineties, uh, whatever. You know, uh, so I've always been involved in it, but it's always been sort of sidelined for me. Whereas my main sort of musical uh, thrust for about ten years with Tina was doing this sort of uh, a pop, wanting to be a pop star, and you know, wanting to get a huge record deal and all this kind of stuff, and. And the band we were in called Tripper, which was me and Tina, uh, it was like a sort of viewers mix kind of lineup where I would be all the music and Tina singing. And uh, we did that, but it was sort of, it was such a sort of uh, traumatic experience, <laughs> I should I say, of, of the ups and downs and the sort of ruthlessness of rec companies and managements and, and all this kind of stuff and the demoralizing side of it that sort of, uh, I remember the last couple of days where we had, you know, big meetings with all the heads of all the major companies, and it was like, you see, it weren't going to happen, and for, um, for the most ridiculous reasons and stuff. That uh, we were in the lift coming down from one of these, I think it was from MCA or whatever it was, and Tina said, "That's it, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing pop anymore. That's, I've had enough. It's, it's destroying us, sort of thing." Like, and I said, "Right, fair enough." And then I thought, right, we had a couple of months. And I thought, well, you know, what am I going to do now? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we could do a prog band? And it was at the time as well, a lot of people were scared of calling themselves prog bands. They were like, oh, you know, we're anything but prog bands. And I thought, well, what if we were to make a prog band? Um, and we would really wear our hearts on our sleeves. And prog with a capital P. And I made it a double album, four 25-minute songs, a total concept album, completely sort of, uh, sort of self-indulgent prog. So I have all the ingredients I wanted in a prog album. And... And with Tina singing it, because I, I knew she was a great singer, and, I, and again, looked, I thought there was, no, there was no female singer at the time, and we did that, and I, I had no idea if people would like it, hate it, or slag it off, or whatever, but it came out, and people really got behind it, and to, the, to my surprise, sort of, really, and I knew it was good stuff, but I didn't know if people would actually buy into it, and, uh, and people actually admired the fact that we were prepared to say this is prog, and not ashamed of it at all, really, and, you know, even in the sleeve note, I remember putting a little disclaimer to say, like, you know, you might, some of this might sound familiar, but at the time, bands like Genesis and Yes were pop bands, and nobody was making this sort of real prog music, so I thought, and that worked as well. But, um, and then it all took off, really, from there, and we were asked to do a, a show in, um, uh, where it was Mexico, I think it was, one of our first shows, on the, on the back of the album. And again, the album was never meant to be played live, I thought, how oh, the hell am I going to do this? Because I've made this huge album. But we, we did it. We got a band in, put a band together, and um, yeah, and it took off. Incredible. I mean, I think that's the, um, if, if there's a USP in the early days, it was, of course, the uh, the female-fronted band. 
I, I do recall also your um, your sleeve note saying that you know you didn't think there was much um, you know at that time uh, we're talking about the um, beginning of this decade really that uh, you know there was a lack of decent prog and um, you know some of those big names weren't actually playing their early stuff were they no no I think that was that was the big sort of uh, idea really and that's that's what I was trying to I thought if people would 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 you know wanted this kind of stuff and uh, you know and, and there were people who were were big prog fans and I think everyone started to disown it at that point and even the bands of today really you know there was a couple of sort of uh, 80s bands who were all like prog bands who were saying oh we're not prog we're not prog you know and it was scared it was almost you were too scared to, to admit that they were prog and I just thought oh, this is madness you know you are a prog band and that's what you are you know and again it, but it's changed the last couple of years but a lot of bands again think by disowning and dropping the prog they can get into the rock market and, and whatever and try and sell a few more and try and mislead people into getting into them and you know but it, yeah, I just fed up all that I, especially now and on the new album as well that uh, that we're working on at the moment it's a real sort of return to the sort of earlier albums uh, like Seven which I think is our best album and uh, the musical style is a lot back to that because I just fancy doing a bit more heavy prog really Playlisted by Mad Professors not Monkeys this is Get Ready to Rock Radio now, uh, we mentioned Cyan. I've some idea that you are playing a gig at some stage over the summer with Cyan. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really come to regret it. But, uh, no, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, well, say, because we did three albums with, with Cyan back back in the day before Magenta, and it was sort of blueprint for Magenta, really. But if you, if you look at the album, they're all like a logical sort of... Uh, a thread running through them all musically. And... Um, I I just been playing them and I've been and we uh, a lot of people have been asking me you know am I going to re-release them re-record them and all this kind of stuff and I take them out and I listen to them and I thought God some great stuff on you I could do with a bit of updating on it and um and I've been working with a, a new male singer doing some other uh, some other material and I had him to sing one of the tracks and I thought God this sounds really really good you know this 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 could be uh you know we we, could, we should do this sort of thing and. And about four months ago, we did a, a one-off show with Magenta where we sort of played uh, sort of uh, a lot of older material. It was like uh, an evening with Magenta. Then the first half was like we, we played some Cyan. We played uh, the Chimpanzee album, which I did. And we played some Atina solo album. Chris played some of his solo album. And uh, it had a great, great response to the Cyan material. So I thought, wow, well, like, you know, I've always wanted to do it sort of for my enjoyment and... And because the material is valid, we're going to do a, a show at Summer's End in October, I think it's the beginning of October. So that's going to be our first one-off, and we'll see how it goes, really. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So the songs are really taking on a new lease of life, um, as you mentioned. Um, what about those reissues? Because the likes of the album, I think it's The Creeping Vine, and um, I'm sure in our collection we've got a track called uh, an album called Echoes. Are there any plans to perhaps bring those out again, either before or maybe as a result of that appearance? I think so, yeah. You know, I, I have been sort of tinkering away in the background, especially because we've got this new singer, um, you know, who's, who's really, really good. And I think 
I think I will. I think I think probably. I don't know when. I, I don't know what the. I haven't got a timeline for when it's going to be done. You know. I think uh, we'll do this show and um, and I think yeah. I think we're definitely going to re-release it and it, it deserves to be and and, I, and it gives me opportunity to do something different as well. Really. So yeah, I think I think it will happen, but I don't know when. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've got it there. All the multi-tracks. I've, I found all the parts and it all then. We recorded a few bits, new bits with the vocalist and stuff, and it's sounding good. So I think, yeah. Well, that's very good, and I'm sure fans will be really pleased, especially those who, um, you know, are, are finding it difficult to track that down because it has been deleted for some time now. Yeah. Now, um, Rob, you've had a, a sort of a parallel career, really, in terms of the songwriting and production, and uh, lots of different projects. Um, we'll talk uh, a little bit about Chimpanzee you mentioned. But... Um, do you have a preference for either, you know, um, recording with a band in your own right or production, I mean, or, or playing live, for instance? I mean, have you any preference, or do you, do you treat all these aspects equally? Um, oh, it's a tricky one, yeah, you know, I think it's... Because of the sort of nature of the beast of... Because uh, it's my sort of livelihood, you've got to have a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, irons in the fire and various things, really. But I think you've got to be careful how you juggle them all. And, um, I, you know, I do enjoy the studio work more than the live work. I, I don't mind the sort of 90 minutes while we're on stage. But it's okay. It's a bit of a panic, and you're always worried about the technical side and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more happy in the studio. And But, um, but yeah, you know, I just... I just like to work on various things and I've always got loads of little projects on the go and it just keeps things exciting really and um, but you know I think the magenta is, is the main that's, that's the thing that everything hangs off really you know that's the long term um, goal is, is, is magenta but, uh, but yeah there's, there's various other things going on at the moment and uh, yeah so I've, I've got a, a I'm working on this huge project I've been working on for the last three years, which is about to be unveiled now, which is a, a real labour of love. Um, it's called Compendium, and um, it's, it's, I think we plan in sort of uh, mid-August. I think people will see it's a stellar cast, big album. It's, it's an epic. So watch this space for that one. So that's been taking my the bulk of my time for the last two and a half years really oh gosh so you're coordinating that producing i am yeah 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 uh producing writing and and arranging it all so it's it's a right it's a monster <laughs> yeah so uh, i'm really excited about it and it's been terrible keeping it all under wraps and <laughs> oh but now it's finally coming to fruition and um such a long haul uh I've been a brilliant journey, and I, I can't leave, give too much away. But it's, it's it's an absolute epic, and again, it's something which I I looked and I thought, well, no one's done this for such a long time, but, and, I, and I know why now as well because it, <laughs> it's been a monster undertaking. But uh, I, it's, I'm really proud of this this work, bit of work, really. And uh, Rob, is that another prog rock epic? It is. It is. Oh well, watch this space, and it's yeah. prog, but it's more rock this one. Yeah. Again, it's just some great songs brilliant singing on it outrageously good singing and I've, I've, I've got to work with some of my real heroes and it's, it's an absolute epic without giving too much away I basically had a, a, a wish list or a bucket list of 
things I wanted to do, people I wanted to work with, where I wanted to go to record, and, and basically ticked them all off. And uh, it's, it's just monstrous. <laughs> it's huge. And the moment of truth is, is approaching because it's, it's all done. We're at the mastering stage of it. and uh, Oh, we, we, we'd like to hear more about that. Now, um, just before we close, Chimpan A, I have to mention this because they came to, to my attention, certainly, Rob, via Steve Balsamo when I chatted to him several years back. And he sent me that album, and I have to say, you know, it's one of those, uh, you know, he was very kind, he sent a couple of his solo albums, and it laid on the pile for a while, and um, I then thought, oh, you know, give that a go. And I have to say, it's a wonderful album. I'm sure you've had that feedback um, since it was released. Well, bizarrely, that album actually has got a lot to do with this project, because Steve is actually the lead vocalist on the album. Ah, right. Said it there, so... (laughs) (laughs) And because uh, I think Steve is one of the best British vocalists, and you know it takes a lot to impress me singing-wise, but he's singing not so much on the stories albums and the sort of um, that kind of stuff he done, but on his earlier stuff. When you hear him singing uh, in, when he was in Superstar and, uh, and things like that, his vocal range is, is absolutely incredible, and the emotion he can convey and stuff is stunning. So he was on my list of who I wanted involved in this project and I thought if I could make a a rock album, a prog rock album with him singing and I knew I'd be onto a winner really and that's, he was the sort of cornerstone of this, he was the first one involved and I, like, we did that but uh, but going back to the Chimpanzee, that yes, that, that album is one of my favourite albums I've ever been involved with and it's, it almost pains me to play it because I know that it, it is such a good album that deserved a lot more exposure and you know I remember when I finished it I thought oh this, this, this is really a killer album it was you know it, it had lots of everything in it it was electronic bit of dance music in it a bit of pop a bit of prog a bit of rock something really unique the collection of it I, but it was but again it needed such a massive amount of uh, financial backing to actually get the exposure to the general public so and it, it sort of pains me, and every time I speak to Steve about the album, we're all like, oh, yeah, you know, I, we can't play it because it just it makes me depressed almost because it's such a good album. And everyone like yourself, I have so many people coming up to me saying this is one of my favourite albums. You know, what, what's happening with it? Why, why isn't it, you know, like on par with a movie album or something like that, you know? And I'm like, well, you need a bit of luck and a bit of money behind it. Get ready to rock radio. Yeah, I think, uh, Rob, um, the thing about this is that it's got a great vibe, the album. I think it's it's the feel of the piece. Um, and I hear what you say about the, the promotion aspect, because I think we should explain it came out on a very small label. You, you'd, you'd worked with the label uh, for some of your earlier releases, but it probably demanded a much bigger label, didn't it? It did, it did. And, you know, it almost took me back into the... the the mental days of being in the tripper band where you had to try and flog yourself to rec companies and we did a few meetings and people just like people couldn't see it you know uh, again you've got to you got to be in the right place at the right time and you know it's, it's, this is going back you know seven or eight years ago and things and now you know things are a lot more DIY you can do it yourself and you can sort of promote it and things and I still think there's life in the album and it hasn't dated which is really good and you know I think we great believers that you know that in the end it will come through and and someone will pick it up and beat for an advert or something like that for a film just to, it is something like that which 
can get people to, people to buy into it because it really lends itself because of the atmosphere of the album, the vibe, as you say, and uh, fingers crossed. But um, would it be too much to ask to do a, a secret? Uh, sorry, a chimpanzee part two, because that would have the effect, wouldn't it, of interesting people in the original? Possibly, but it, but again, it was such a mass. We took about two years to make that album, and it was a lot of work. And again, it's to, to get Steve, myself, and there's another guy called Rob Thompson, the three of us together, and. Again, we had some great people playing on it, and it was such a, you know, we were lucky at that time, and people's schedules and, you know, circumstances, but now, trying to get Steve to come and do anything, is a night, it's been a nightmare again to come and sing on this album, this, this project of mine, because he's so busy doing a million other things, really, so, again, we, we always say that, you know, we should do another album, and we, we I think we got a, we did actually start, we got, like, two, two really good tracks, which we sort of, did you know just after doing the album we did another two tracks and then everything kind of grinding halt because of people's circumstances and things but um so we got them sitting on the shelf so we might you know do a um a special edition or something and we shot some videos and things but um i don't know i don't know whether we could you know it, it is it's just a, it was just a magical moment where it all it all it all came together <laughs> exactly it, it is wonderful and i think uh if listeners and, and most people probably won't know that even if they follow um, your music with magenta i think it's quite obscure but the moment they hear it i think they'll love it so uh, that's definitely one to investigate chimpanzee uh great album um and I should mention, I think you did refer to it, where you got back together earlier this year and you played some of your sort of wider material, including Cyan. Uh, so, intriguingly, Rob, uh, what were you playing from the Chimpanzee album? We played... What did we play? Cause, well, the problem was, because Steve wasn't there singing, <laughs> and he's, he's pretty hard to act to follow, really, and uh, uh, we played Secret Wish, which we just heard just now, and we played... Uh, what did we play? Uh, you Moving Me, which is the second track on the album. We played two of it, and uh, they were the ones we could get away with without having to rely too much on the uh, vocal gymnastics of uh, Steve Balsamo. But, uh, but A Secret Wish is always good to play with the, uh, the tubular bell sample in there. Well, here's, here's hoping that uh, something comes again in the future, either for the album or some some sort of spin-off maybe yeah now just to conclude then magenta uh celebrate prog that's um coming very shortly and uh, you've mentioned also you're now working on in fact you're on the way to the studio as we speak <laughs> holding you up here rob so uh now um we're going to play out with Glitterball from chameleon um i sensed on the current album um it was a bit more immediate, more accessible, and slightly tougher, I think, really, in terms of your albums. Uh, what what can we expect from the next one? Complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I, 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 I sort of said this before. Whereas I sort of I've been writing for the last two years uh, on all the new magenta material, and I had sort of two, these two big writing sessions, and the first one sort of um, came up with all this heavy kind of immediate stuff, which is why you're urine on Chameleon. Then I had another uh, session where I was like, oh, God, I desperately need to write some prog. From, you know, I needed my, my prog fix, and um, I wrote a load of other stuff, and I thought, right, okay, there's my album, but then I thought, oh, my God, i got two completely different albums. So, hence, what we did, I thought, rather than just trying to show one them all together, the, um, the Chameleon album was done, and we recorded it in a completely different way. We did it really quickly, and... Um, 
you know, and instead of spending like two years making an album, it was done over like three or four months. Uh, and I think it, you know, it, it sounds like that. It's got a lot more urgency to it. The songs are shorter. But um, but the new album then is is my uh, my second lot of writing, which is uh, slightly more like the sort of seven album, which is I think if people like the sort of uh, the sort of classic prog stuff we did, and that's the album everyone hails as our sort of uh, big album, which is seven and it's our bestseller and things. It's a lot more like that, you know. Still great songs and stuff, but I just needed to play some prog. So uh, I think that's that's the new album really, and um, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's still gonna. Be, it's, it's always got always going to have this thread and you know a, a sound of magenta, but I don't like to sort of keep rehashing the same. You know, it'd be easy to make every album exactly the same. I think like to twist it a little bit for each album. And that's probably the um, the attraction, isn't it? That every every one is a little different to the previous, and it's a progression in in many ways, isn't it? So we look forward to that the next album. I mean, I would imagine that'll be sometime next year now the release. Yeah, I think it'll be early next year. I think I, we, the the bulk of the well, all the writing and sort of arrangements have done, and we, I've just recorded the drums for it, and uh, we're working on the vocal as we, as we speak. So we're working our way through it, and I'm hoping we got a couple of shows in September. I think we're going to showcase a few of the new tracks. So yeah, it, should, it shouldn't be that long. Come in. Well, best of luck, Rob, with all your plans, and uh, we're certainly enjoying the music that you've created. Not only with Magenta, but uh, in all its different guises, really, since uh, the mid-80s onwards. And lots to explore for people there. Yeah. So most, um, you know, uh, um, most of all, perhaps at the moment, best best wishes for your appearance at the forthcoming Celebrate Prog event, which hopefully... Hopefully everyone will come to it. Yes, and it will go from strength to strength in its own way, and this will be the first of many. Uh, that's the 7th and 8th of July. And we're going to play out with a track off Chameleon. And as you say, short, punchy and uh, highly accessible. This is Glitterball. My thanks to you from Get Ready to Rock, Rob Reed. <laughs> 